I'll be reading from uh, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Well, it's important that we walk close to God each day. That's what this lesson is about. Walking close to the Lord and letting Him guide our thoughts and our actions and the way we live. I've really enjoyed the series on being the body of Christ. I think to a large extent this is a complementary, complementary lesson to that concept. To be in action, use our body, being the body and doing what God wants us to so it's a challenge for us. Many of us are, uh, everybody's doing it to one degree or another, but it is certainly a blessing to be able to be a part of God's plan, to be used by God in a way to serve other people and make a difference in the world that he has created. From the very beginning, people took a wrong turn, and it uh, only improves as God is involved in the world and in our lives to make a difference that way. We're looking at this passage, Micah chapter 6, verse 8, uh, tonight, and also the two lessons next Sunday. It'll be just a small, quick, three-part series, but a very powerful lesson and something that God says throughout the, the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, to live that way. Micah is probably one of those prophets that you don't really read very often and think about very much, but Micah was a prophet a contemporary of Isaiah and served at that time. And um, being a minor prophet really just means it's a small book. It doesn't mean he's not significant. He said things that were very challenging and, and served in a very difficult time. His name means poor or humble. Uh, also, who is like the Lord, which I think is really a key passage or a key thought to think about who is like the Lord. We all want to think that we are, but sometimes we have our blinders on and are not exactly what... God wants us to be. Uh, he did prophesy between 750 and 686 B.C. And Micah had a deep sensitivity to social issues and, and things that were going wrong of that day, and he had a great concern. And he stressed that God hates idolatry, injustice, and that's really the key thing tonight, rebellion and empty ritualism, but he delights in, the pardoning, in pardoning the penitent person. As you can imagine, they were very zealous, and uh, we want to be zealous for the Lord as well. But sometimes we get our blinders on, and we think that there's one thing that is required or something we should do, and we try to execute that, and we get good at it, so we think, okay, let's get better at it. And we get to doing so well at it that it becomes a system, or it becomes a program, and it becomes very impersonal, and we lose the message, especially as it goes to another generation. And after it goes over several generations, we do it really well, but we forgot why we were doing what we were doing. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Micah chapter 6. That is in the Old Testament, and it is one of those little books. And so it may take you just a little while to find it. But that's all right. You got nothing but time and an index in the front, so you can find it that way. In chapter 6, he starts out, listen to what the Lord says, stand up and plead your case before the mountains. So uh, God is speaking to them, and he's saying really kind of everything is crying out to one another. And he presents this idea that the Lord has always been with them. In verse 3, he says, my people, what have I done to you? Have, you? have I been a burden to you? Answer me. I brought you out of Egypt 
and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses and Aaron, Aaron and Miriam. I've always been on your side. He's always been faithful. And he tells them to remember their journey. And he says at the end of verse 5 that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. Sometimes we just need to step back, stand still, and see the salvation of God, what God is doing. God's always working, and if we'll look, we'll see he's working. Sometimes we have our head down instead of our head up and our hearts to God. And so out of that, God said, I've been a blessing to you. It should have affected the way you live. And in verse 6, then he says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? This sounds so good. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? With the Lord, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? You know, that's a good response. I, I'll give you everything. And God's really wanting their heart so that he has everything. So he says, I've showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That verse 8 is what we're going to look at in the next three lessons. So it's a challenge for us. It's stated a number of ways throughout the Old Testament to the New Testament. I think about whenever Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says to love the Lord, the, the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. That's really kind of what he's saying here. Get to know God. Develop a heart and a passion just like God does and be a redeeming person and a factor in the, the world, in the culture we live in to make a difference. And really he's saying that we should, uh, kind of the skinny on it is just to be doing the right thing in our communities, in the world we live in, to the people around us, in our families, in our, in our church, in our to our neighbors, to, in the civic club in our jobs and all those kind of things. Sometimes it's translated a number of ways. A few are to just do right. You, know, you and I know how to treat people. We know the right thing to do, but usually we're asking, well, is it right for me? And that's not what God is asking. He's asking us to do what's right for those people that are around us. That's, again, that's marriage, that's family, that's, that's just our social nature, whoever we're around. Uh, to do justice, to treat others fair, non-manipulative, and non-oppressive ways. Just treat people right. Do justice. See that justice is done. And if you can stand up and do something to promote justice for somebody, you should do that. One of the things in my life that I've developed in the last few years is to see that justice is done for seniors. Now, you know, we have people who represent different ones in our church here. Uh, in our culture, and I think about it in uh, it, whether it's medicine, whether it's taking care of seniors in a, in a senior living place, whether it's the church, whether it's the person in the grocery store, I think about seniors and the challenges they have and to see that justice is done for them. I want to be a voice for them. But for others, it's a voice 
for the unborn. For others, it's the voice of the abused. For others, it's a voice of maybe a prison inmates. You name it, there's a number of people who need our voice, and we need to do what's right. We need to speak up for them. Some would translate this, uh, justice. see that justice is done, to promote justice, to do justice, and that indicates the responsibility that we have to seek for equality, what is fair, as far as it is with God or others around us. You know, it's really a common theme in the Bible, and I'll throw out some other verses here. In Proverbs 21, verse 3, it says, do, uh, To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. In Isaiah 56, verse 1, Thus say the Lord, preserve justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. And Jeremiah, another prophet, in 22, verse 3, said, Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed from the power of his oppressor. Also do not mistreat or do violence to the stranger, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. You know, sometimes we have strangers that come to Edmund. We need to do justice. We need to reach out. We need to be fair to those people who come our way. We have people who come to the church to find ministry and help. And sometimes we find those people in our ministry and everyday lives, whether it's an orphan or whatever. And, and James talks about that, and we may look at that later. Well, Micah says these truths are really repeated throughout the passage. It was really, this is kind of a one-line summary of the whole law. And it uh, affects every circumstance in life. We can see it in the New Testament, too. Think about the story of the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. If it is a parable, maybe it's a true story. But he addresses them to some of those who were really self-confident about their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Those are people who are seeking justice for themselves rather than other people. And Jesus told them this parable about two people. Uh, one went to the temple and prayed and said, man, I thank God I don't, I'm not like this publican and I'm glad I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Sure glad I'm not like him. And then there was a tax collector who really stood at a distance and said, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God had compassion on that person. And that should be our response to people who have faced things that are very difficult for them. So the New Testament is very clear about that same thing is true for us, to act justly, to think about other people. After three big points tonight, and it's all going to hang on that. One is our problem is we want to simplify it all and make things real simple and self-focused usually. And that's just our human nature. Out of that passage, he says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. He's shown you what is good. And we want to simplify things. You know, what's the greatest commandment? What should we do on this or that? Well, he's told us what is good and what does the Lord require of you. And that, that means me. That's the way we should think. Think about yourself. What does the Lord require of you? What should you do? But we seem so self Focus sometimes that we want to make sure that we get justice rather than other people. 
Israel wanted to show its devotion to God and, you know, willing to give thousands of rams and tens thousands of rivers of oil. I don't know about you, but I don't have a thousand rams. That would be a big payment. That would be a big deal. And I don't have rivers of oil, especially tens of thousands of rivers of oil. But God does want me to recognize that I'm immortal and God wants what is good and what's right and he wants me to take it on. It's so easy for us to say, somebody else should do that. Government should do that. The leaders in the church should do that. My neighborhood association should do that. And we think about everybody else needs to do that. But God is saying that God requires of us to act individually, to step up to the plate and do what God wants. We simplify issues in what we want. You know, used to be a phrase I heard in, in uh, other churches that, you know, what do I have to do that? What's the, what's the least I have to do to go to heaven? Well, God wants us to think, what's, what can I do at every opportunity in every situation that we find ourselves? And we should ask, what would please the Lord? What would Jesus do at this point? What should I do to act justly? Now, if you're like me, I'm a very justice-oriented person, and that's not a good thing, okay? I, it, it really drives me nuts if things are not done right, if people aren't just. I don't know if you watched the Thunder game today, but they're a little out of control a little bit today because people want justice. They want what they want. And if they don't get what they want, they get mad and walk away. And that's where we as Christians step up to the, to the plate and help to act justly if somebody's being abused we do the right thing we we step up for them we need to act justly uh, and do the right thing that way if somebody's being judged inappropriately or wrongly Jesus talked about on the Sermon on the Mount that we should not judge other people the way we are judged or the way we judge other people we're going to be judged so we need to, to to watch out for them in Micah's culture it was his job to inspire, to lead the way, to inspire other people to do that themselves. Later on in chapter 6, it says, you, Your rich people are violent, your inhabitants are liars, and their tongues speak deceitfully. I hope America never comes to that, but in Micah's day, it must have been really tough. <laughs> it happens in America. It happens in our lives, the people around us, and that's what Micah was dealing with. And that's what God is challenging you and me to to make a difference that way. Earlier on in Micah in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he says, Woe to those who plan iniquity and to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning light, they carry it out because it's in their power to do it. They covet fields and they seize it and houses and take them. They defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. It sounds like a city planning committee has just moved into the community doesn't it they're not, they're not thinking about how this affects people they're thinking about dollars and cents and it happened in Micah's day it happens in other times and we need to if we have the power if we have the influence to stand up for those people who are not treated right Later on in chapter 3, he addresses the leaders and the prophets. He rebukes them and he says, Then I said, Listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, 
Should you not embrace justice, you who hate good and love evil? And this is just hard to imagine. You tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. That's when we look at people and we say, that person and that person doesn't have value. This is a dog-eat-dog world. You've got to stand up for yourself. And as Christians, we have to stand up and act justly and think about what God would do. It's not easy. In Romans chapter 7, you know, Paul talked about it in his own life. It was not easy. He says, for the good I want to do, I don't do. And uh, for the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. We have to stop it. You have to start being like Jesus. But that's the simple problem, is we simplify it and we just say, well, nobody's going to look out for me, so you've got to look out for number one. And we do things the way we want to and we miss what God is saying. This church is not that way. And we need to make, an in, make a difference in the community we live in to help other people think that way. We are blessed, and the reason why we are called to do it is the second main issue is our privilege of relationship and reflection upon our creator we know God in this chapter all the good things God did so if God has been really good to us we ought to be good to other people if we see the blessings that we have from God we can use those blessings to act justly and help other people and it is our privilege as God's people to be in a covenant relationship with God and to reflect, meditate upon the word, think about what God is doing. You know, in these discovery Bible studies, the first question, we, or one of the first questions we ask is, what is God doing? What do we learn about God? And this is one of those passages we learn what God did. And if we're going to be like him, if we're going to reflect him working in our lives, we're going to have to be like him. In this passage, it's really key that he has shown you. God's not this super God that is separated from the world up in heaven and looking down says, what you need to do is act this way. He acts that way. And as we learn more about him, our response is a relationship that reflects that he does live in us. You know, our lives are changed by Christ. It wasn't that we cleaned up ourselves and we did it all ourselves, and so we can be very self-justified like that uh, publican and just uh, and think about how good we are. God did it, and so we realize that he's changed us from the inside out. We can make a difference if we really reflect that in all of our ministries. One of the unique ministries that we had when... Uh, Katie and I lived in Tecumseh as we started working with the Oklahoma Food Bank after we were there about a year or so we decided you know we could be a blessing to all these people in Tecumseh that were uh, most of them were, were below the poverty level and and around 90% of the kids in school got free or reduced lunches because it's such a poor community well we did the the food bank and one of my desires in doing that was so that it would help us as God's people get in touch with people who needed something and I was hoping it would change our lives as God's people 
Now I care about poor people. But uh, as we developed that, one of the things we started doing was once a month we would have people come to our church building and we would have groceries on shelves and we had grocery carts and we helped them shop. We gave them the dignity of choosing what they wanted. And our people mingled with them and they acted justly and they helped them and they took the, car, the groceries out to their car and they called on them and they checked on them. Now we were, doing, we were giving away food and you might say, well, isn't that good enough? You know, giving rivers of oil and, and uh, rams and all of that. No, we, we wanted to walk alongside them. And as a result of that, there were people baptized. Lives were changed. Uh, we, uh, we would let them be in a room ahead of time. If, if it was a winter time, we, it was a warm room, and we would give them something to eat there and, and mingle with them and talk to them. If it was uh, whatever season it was, we spent time with them and invested our lives. And we were able to reflect the goodness of God and communicate that way. And you might say, well, don't they understand you gave them food? Well, we treated them with dignity, equality. We acted justly with those people. We treated them fairly, and that was, uh, made a big impact on them. Uh, and one of the things I think we have to realize is that good deeds creates goodwill and an opportunity to share good news. What I mean by that is if you are good to people, well, let me back up and say there's a lot of organizations that are good to people, okay? What makes us different is that we do it because God has blessed us. We do good deeds, and as a result of that, we develop a good relationship, goodwill, open hearts, just like Jesus did. And then there's the opportunity that they will listen. If you treat people, if you act justly, if you treat them fairly, if you treat them right, it will open up. You know, there's a... a, quick reference that I'll give to you kind of the bookends of Jesus ministry in Luke chapter 4 and by the way Luke is a is a gospel that really deals with treating outcasts fairly that people would normally call outcasts his ministry is booked in by going into the synagogue and opening up Isaiah chapter 61 and ministering to people And what he read was, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Good news, okay. But I'm going to go to the poor people. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's how he started his ministry, right after his uh, baptism and all of that. You know how he ends up? He ends his ministry in, in um, Matthew chapter 25, talking about the sheep and the goats. And when he talks about this, he talks about separating the sheep and the goats. And to those on his left, uh, he talks to them. Well, to those on his right, to the, then to the righteous, uh, he says... Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did, he see, when did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, 
Brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When we start seeing people around us as Jesus, we will start acting justly. We will start treating them right. To those on the left, he talked to them and they said, he said, you didn't do it. And they will say, when did we do that? When did we, when did we miss you, Jesus? He said, well, when you didn't do it to these people, you did it unto me. So it tells me that Jesus cares about people. It's both Old and New Testament to act justly. Well, our practice of acting on the heart of God. The examples. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require of you? You know, we can act justly when we live with a sense of right and wrong and when we show integrity and act with morality. When we do unto others what others we would want others to do unto ourselves. And again, that good deeds leads to goodwill and an opportunity to share good news. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Powerful, powerful scripture. When we did it, we need to do it in the name of the Lord. James is very practical. And in James chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that really matters to God the Father and is acceptable is pure, faultless, uh, which is pure and faultless, is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's acting justly. In the next chapter, in chapter 2, he talks about faith and deeds. If somebody's hungry, uh, if you just say, be warmed and filled, that's not acting justly. Faith acts, it moves, it responds, and that's what we need to do as well and of course another passage that just bring to our attention in closing is the good samaritan that's another story by luke to act justly you know that you have the religious people who seem to be coming from the worship assembly and they're going back home they just heard a good sermon i don't know if they're raring to get back into their community and put in it in practice but on their way home they come by this guy who was robbed and for whatever reason, the scriptures didn't penetrate their hearts. And they didn't act justly. They didn't treat him fairly. But it was the one who was a Samaritan that they thought, probably like a tax collector, you know, they thought they were better than him. He's the one who ended up doing what God wanted. Well, it's a great high calling. And I don't think we should be guilty over it. I think we just look as an opportunity. And this is a lesson that we, when we leave here today, we don't go back to work Monday and think, okay, we'll wait until next Sunday. But it is something we will think about in our families, that that's what, God, what pleases God. Kent's going to talk about mercy, to love mercy. And then Randy's going to talk about walking humbly with our God. And that's, the, that's a real challenge. And that's probably where it starts, is just to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and let him lift us up and give us direction 
and see the mercy he's given us and then maybe we will act justly because he's been so good to us. If you're not part of the covenant of Christ, we want to give you this opportunity tonight to be baptized, put on Christ in baptism, and then join this army of people who act justly. If you've not acted justly recently and you want to ask for the prayers of this church, we want to join with you and partner with you in being an army of God acting justly. Let's stand and sing and encourage one another.